You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I'm just going to get right in it. Luke 15, verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The Lord wants this community. Amen. We've seen that. He spoke it last week. He wants this community. He wants sundown Texas for his own. And he wants to use this house to claim it. Now, just think about the honor of that. I need you to just recognize how many churches are operating in this community right now. I mean, really operating with staff. There is none. This is it. He has chosen this house and He has provided for this house to continue ministering because He has said, this will be the house in which I will do my work through. The people who gather here, the people in this community, the people that worship my name and gather in this place, I will use them to save this community, to establish the kingdom of heaven in this community. That is what he said. Amen. Amen. He has given us the keys to set our neighbor free. He has given us the keys. And he has anointed us to go and get them where they are and free them and bring them home. Right? The days of waiting for them to come are over. The days of going where they're at are here. Where they are to bring them home. The Father went to the Son to bring Him home. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. That is spoken over you. Will you receive it? He, we have just highlighted what the Lord has anointed you to do. He has anointed you. If you're wondering what your purpose is in this time, look at that. The first three verses are for you. That is your job. That is what He's anointed you to do. We are anointed to set the captives free. And the enemy does not want this. So the Lord showed me something. He showed me how the enemy has schemed and what he has planted. In his church, in God's church, what the enemy has planted to prevent this from happening. And what it is, is an expectation. And let me explain that a little bit further. An expectation, not not an expectation of God, but an expectation of those that are captive. We in the church, in, in the Western church, there is an expectation of appearance, of lifestyle, of hobbies, of interests, and of history that one has to fall within 
before they can be saved. You tell you go to any church in, in a metroplex right now, you go to a big church, it's going to look like one thing across the board. Across the board, it will look like one thing. It will look like this very typical picture. And there are a lot of broken people in it. We have determined that those that I will go to will look like me, they will talk like me, they will walk like me, they will be just like me. I will surround myself with like-minded individuals that my life could be convenient. Now, it's not that we would surround each other with those that worship God, pursue God in truth and righteousness so that we, as a body, would be unified. It's, uh, no, no, that's not what it's been because that's not comfortable. When those that are walking and anointed in the Spirit of God surround themselves with one another, difficult things are accomplished, but they are accomplished in, in difficult circumstances, uncomfortable circumstances. But what it has become, what it has been adopted to, is that it would be more convenient for me if I surrounded myself with like-minded individuals that my life would look the way I want it to look, be convenient all the way through. And that's Christianity. What we've seen, modern-day Christianity. Right? There's no, there's, no, there's, no such, there's no conviction that comes from God. But there's no evaluating who Jesus is and then recognizing where we fall short in the church today because we're surrounded by people that fall short and they say we're doing great. And so we don't pursue the Spirit. We're surrounded by people that have rejected the Spirit. They don't need the Spirit. And so I don't need the Spirit because they don't need the Spirit. We're all in like-minded agreement of that. And so we don't push the kingdom of heaven. We don't establish the kingdom of God in any place because we're surrounded by people that look like my brokenness. Not my freedom. We have surrounded ourselves in the church with people that are broken just like me, and we have titled that as they're free just like me, and this is what freedom looks like. And if these people do things that I don't like, this love freely given to me will not be given to them. I will put a stop to it. I don't like you. You have a dirty mouth. You're a potty mouth, and I don't like it. I heard you went to. I, I heard you had a beer at dinner the other night at Chili's. <laughs> I want nothing to do with you. You dirty sinner. What? These are the things that trip us up. A foul mouth. Of course, they have a foul mouth. Did the father expect the son to come back clean? Or did he see? Oh no, he's dirty. He's not my son anymore. He's been sleeping with the pigs. I don't want anything to do with that. I want, to, I want to read you a quote. I forgot that I was reading this quote, and so my phone's over here. Hell will be filled with people who don't drink, didn't cuss, and may have been baptized. Why? Because not one of those things makes someone a Christian. I have been saved by Christ and Christ alone. I have received Him as my Savior. There is nothing that I have done to earn that title of saved, but say yes to Him. It is not by the actions, it is not by the way I live my day to day, because I could be saved today and I could say a dirty word tomorrow, and I will still be saved. And those that are not walking with the Lord right now, and we would say they're not, they're not saved, they don't know Jesus, that blood was spilled for them as well. 
That blood was spilled for them as well, that they would know Jesus, that they would know what they were made for. But it has been adopted by the church, this expectation. So the church looks a certain way, and we pick and choose those that we will go to. We hold those who don't know Jesus to a standard of Jesus. Well, they curse. And it says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do they know that? How is that standard? That standard's found with the Spirit of God in you. That that can become true. Because you can't create anything of the fruit of the Spirit on your own. These are evidence of God and who you follow. Those things that He says. These standards that He puts over us. So if they don't have Jesus, how can we hold this standard of Jesus over them? That's not ours to do. But you want to know why people are walking away from the church in such great lengths there. I mean, and you want to talk about walking away. Look at what happened in COVID. People were like, you know what? I grew up in church. I went a year without church. I'm kind of good without church. That must have meant they have not encountered much of God in those places. Because they can be surrounded by the people they want to be around. They can be really comfortable outside of church. And they found that now. And they're not here. And if they're not here, they're not going to get those that will never be here without us going to get them. We hold a standard of Jesus over those that don't know Him. And this is also important to recognize. We hold a standard of Jesus that we, over people that don't know Jesus. And we know Jesus and we don't hold that standard over ourselves a lot of times. Go and make disciples of all nations. Well, what about if I just go and make disciples through the Facebook post that I talk about this scripture I read this morning and I post it? I bet I'll save a lot of people that way. And I'm, I'm a saint because I typed a verse and posted it, and it was public. And I got 30 likes on it, so there are 30 people right there saved. Like, that's how, I'm, I'm not, it's silly, but that's the reality of how a lot of people have, Chosen to do ministry now. I'll, I'll go back and I'll read Facebook posts that you know how it pops up and says, you posted this six years ago. And I'll read it and I'm like, I know for a fact I was not living like that. But man, did I post it on Facebook and I felt good when I hit that post button. That is not ministry. That is not leading people to salvation. Now I'm not saying the Lord won't use that, but that is not what it looks like. We've got to hold the standard of Jesus over ourselves as well. And we've got to remember, if Jesus is perfect theology, let's start by looking at Him. The disciples were those who were rejected. The disciples were literally the least of these. Those that the religious leaders have rejected. Those were the ones He chose to start this church. Those were the ones He chose with the Spirit of God, that they would be the first to receive this gift of the Spirit of God when His blood made a way, and that they would go, He would entrust them with His Word that they would go out to all the nations and make disciples. He entrusted to those that had been rejected by society. But we have found ourselves again in this rut where we reject those rejected by society, the church. And they should be found welcome here. And the Lord showed me this. He just showed me this point last week. as we were, we were t- I was just reflecting on everything that He had spoken last Sunday and and thinking about how he is going to, he, he is he is just so convinced me that he wants this community. And look, I'm I've, I'm new, I'm still new here. 
A lot of you grew up here. And you can look back over this long history of your time here and see how the Lord has displayed Himself and come after this community. I'm late to the game and I can see it so clearly. The Lord wants this community. He wants to come after them. He wants, he wants them to know Him. But what He showed me last week is that we are turning away from the, the captives because we think the slave needs to look like they live in the house. He just began to show me this vision as we sang this song, this yet not I song, this, this beautiful line of I can sing, I am free. Because the chains have come off and I am no longer a slave, I can sing now, I am free. And, and the Lord does this same thing He did to the prodigal son. He clothes us with righteousness and truth in this robe and we look like royalty. He has covered us in royalty. He has said that we are royalty, co-heirs with Christ. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation, making His appeal through us. And then we go and we look at the captive and we're like, I don't want to set them free, they're dirty. They should look like me already. But how can a slave be clean like they live in the house? A slave is not allowed the rights of the son or the daughter. Are they? No. But we have held this standard that the slave needs to already look like me even though they are bound in chains. Not ever knowing what freedom is. Not ever knowing what truth is. Not ever knowing, knowing what righteousness is. Not knowing the love of God, the grace of God. But they should look like me. But let me ask you this. Were you clean when He found you? No. There's not a one of us in here that was already clean, already dressed in robes, royalty, ready for Him, waiting for Him as we were already set free. He set us free. He brought us into the kingdom of heaven. He clothed us in this righteousness. He clothed us in truth. And He gave us identity. He gave us a new name. He spoke of how He was going to establish the kingdom of heaven in and through us, but that came after the chains fell off. The slave can only be made free and only made clean when the slave can only be made clean when set free and led into the house. They can't look like me in chains. The prodigal son, when he returned home, was returning home. He didn't even make it home. When he was returning home and the father got a hold of him, he looked like a slave. He carried the identity of a slave, of a servant, of one who was not worthy of the title of a son. But I guarantee when he finished his journey, we know that when he finished his journey from that point where he encountered the father and the father got a hold of him to the point he arrived at the house, that point he no longer looked like a slave. He no longer looked like a servant. He again looked like the son. He looked like his father's son because he was immediately clothed with a robe. The ring was placed back on his finger, shoes on his feet. He was the son of this man again. At the moment, he encountered him, but he had to go and encounter him. But he didn't go and encounter him and allow him to stay in the slave mentality. He immediately put him in this mentality of, you are a son to me. You are a daughter to me. And I will clothe you in truth. I will clothe you in righteousness. You will be set free. And you will come into this house as it is yours. Immediately gave him back his authority, his place, his title. After he squandered it, immediately gave it back to him. That he would be a co-heir of that kingdom again. 
We have the keys. And what will they unlock? He has said that He is doing more than we can see, more than we can fathom, more than we can measure. So they do not simply unlock the captives. We know this. We know this well that each one in the body of Christ unlocks new things in you. That is the body of Christ. And so when we add a new member, what does that look like in the body of Christ? What potential can it now reach? What new things can it now do? And now think about the generation to come. When this one person is set free, what does it do for the generation that we're raising up? What do they begin to look like? What shape do they begin to take? What potential do they now have to reach? Because it unlocks stuff in us, it also unlocks things in them because of this one that has now been added. It is more than we can see, more than we can measure. We have the keys to generations. I need you to understand this too. Because we have the keys to generations. We can, we can go to these captives. We can set them free. And then setting these people free become principals. They become, they become leaders in our nation. They become leaders over cities. They become, uh, they become influencers. They do all these great things beyond what we could have ever seen. Again, it's this rock example. It's this dropping this rock into a still body of water. You cannot fathom how far the ripples go. You can see them for a little while and then you just you begin to lose your ability to measure how far they've gone. And so it is with each one that is set free, each captive that is set free and brought into the house, made a part of the body of God, the body of Christ. I love Isaiah 61. I, like, I love it because it's, it's, I mean, I really hate math, but I do love this because it's like an equation. This will get you this every time. Now look at this. We're going to read it again. Now look at verse 4. We've seen, we've seen what the Lord has anointed Him to do. Anointed us to do in this time. And now look at verse 4. These people that have been set free. These captives that have been set free. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. Strangers will stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in your glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Doesn't that sound nice? That sounds good to me. Are you guys good with that outcome? I mean, that sounds really good to me. It sounds like what we're seeing right now. From a few being introduced to the freedom of God, a few being introduced to the Spirit of God in this community, it looks like we're seeing, we're seeing ancient ruins, ancient devastations repaired. We're seeing things that had been forgotten restored. We're seeing things that had been left behind brought to new light. We're seeing the Lord begin to change the community around us, and it all starts when we go to them. Not expecting anything of them, just excited to be able to be the vessel that brings the Spirit of God to them. Because they too were made for Him. And you get the honor, the honor of introducing them to who they were made for. I'm big on honor. Uh, my, my father was in the military, my grandfathers were in the military, 
So honor is just always, it's a big thing. You, you honor, there, there, there's honor in the task that you're asked to do by certain people. It was an honor for me when my grandfather would ask me to come and work with him. Even if I was just pushing the lawnmower, it was an honor. Because he asked me. He could have done it himself. He could have hired somebody to do it. But he asked me. He trusted me with that task. No matter how small or how big, the fact was he trusted me with it. And that was an honor. And he has trusted us to make his appeal through us to the rest of the world. God reconciling the world to himself. He has trusted us with that task. And that is no small task. That is a major task. What an honor. But it may look like a simple thing. It may look like a simple thing. It may look like just at the gas station pumping gas and someone's across from you pumping gas and you just strike up a conversation. Ask them how they're doing. It's that easy. It's that easy. It's as simple as being deaf to naughty words. You would be shocked. And a lot of people are shocked when they see some of the company that I keep. He's dirty language. They're not, they're not very polite in the words that they speak. But they're encountering Jesus. So it doesn't really matter. I don't really care. Because who else? That's the thing. If I say no, who else? Now think of the people in your life that the Lord has just kind of plopped in your lap through divine appointment. They've just ended up in your circle. They've ended up in someone that you're going to encounter. Just... Someone that got hired, and now they're down the office from you. Or someone you've worked with, and you guys, I don't know. There's all these crazy things and circumstances that are happening in your life. They're just doors being opened to you to introduce them to who they were made for. But don't allow their appearance of being a slave to stop us from setting them free. Of course they look like a slave. You did too. We all did. But thank God for that person that did not turn away because you looked like the identity you carried. I looked exactly like I was supposed to look as a slave. And someone was not turned away from it. And they began to minister to me. And it saved my life. And it has set a generation free because I have two boys. And they have been set free because they will not walk in those things that I've walked in. Because they have been set free because someone did not turn away when they saw me in shackles. But they looked down in their hands, saw the keys, and they ran to me to set me free. And there were people along the way that would not let me pick the shackles back up again. We want to do that too. We want to go back to that identity because believe it or not, it's what we know, it's what we're comfortable with. It's the same with the Israelites when they were set free from Egypt. How long before they were like, oh, let's just go back to slavery? We've been there for hundreds of years, but it's what we know. They were not allowed to go back. There was someone there to keep them from going back. That's, that's us. But we have got to first realize that we have the keys that will unlock their freedom, that they could come into the house with us, join us, alongside us, and change the world around us, because unlocking them will set generations free. I need us to realize that. But first, search your own heart. Because I, I see it. I see it everywhere in the Western church. This, this refusal. I've heard it in so many conversations about individuals. Of, 
I, I just refuse to surround myself with a person like that. Whew. You don't have to like them. I'm not saying you need to like them, be best friends with everybody. But they need to see Jesus in you. They need to see Jesus in you. Your kids need to see you being Jesus to them. And if you're worried about your kids being surrounded by them, oh, I don't want my kids around a person like that. Well, buddy, then your foundation that you're teaching your kids is probably not going to stand. It's probably on sinking sand. If you're worried about the influence of a stranger. Who has established your children? God or you? If you're allowing Him to do it, they'll be alright. Because their foundation is solid. It is built on a rock already. So, I would challenge us because what comes next is really exciting. What the Lord has said He's doing is really, really exciting and He's chosen us to do it. He's chosen us for this time, for this day and age, for this community. He's chosen you. What an honor. And He has given you the keys. What an honor. Could you imagine being the one that gets to go to a slave and set them free? What an honor. That is us. That is who we are. But what will keep us from it? it? An expectation of who they should already be will keep us from them. And we will explain away the reasons why we don't need to go over to them. Don't let that be. Allow Him to give you eyes to see, ears to hear, that He would show you even in those moments where a complete stranger gets out and they're pumping gas right across from you, but that you could see who God has made them to be. He'll do that. You know it? Because He wants them to know. And if you're willing to listen and you're willing to see, He will show you who He has created, that total stranger that's going to be there for 30 seconds, who He has made them to be, what He has anointed their life for. And then you get to be the one to start speaking it into existence. What an honor. What an amazing thing, an amazing opportunity it is to be given to be given this opportunity to make God's appeal to the rest of the world. God. The one that raises the dead, heals the sick. The one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that sent Jesus Christ. This Jesus who defeated death. We get to be the ones that make His appeal to the rest of the world. Wow. The one that would go to someone and say, take up your mat and follow me. And through His disciples being able to do the same. We get to make His appeal to the rest of the world. What an honor. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.